The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We are back in the United States of America, and we are very happy about that. We've been just in Medjugorje with a pilgrimage, 80 people that traveled with us. Medjugorje in May is very beautiful, and now, of course, we're in the beginning of June. And all the headlines say different things about the world. One's a revolution is coming to America. Where will you stand? Another one is the UK's top family judge states collapse of the nuclear family should be welcomed and applauded. And he was a judge who ruled for a forced abortion for a woman who didn't want one. And he claims that he has the right to do that. And they've raised this judge up to the position of president of the family court. Another headline says Franklin Graham, there's an agenda to lure children into promiscuity. And that's, of course, in California, where parents are really up in arms because of what they're teaching. And it's unmentionable. And we don't want to have to say this broadcast today is only for adults. So I won't go into it. You can do your own research. Then you got another headline, Nancy Pelosi on the Supreme Court ruling. 
of course, about a birthday cake that was for a very immoral purpose. And the headlines quote her as saying, Bake that cake, Christians. This woman is a Catholic. She just last month or two or so ago was filibustering, having nothing to say, so she just said the rosary over and over and over. And she's telling the Supreme Court how bow your ruling is and telling a baker, bake that cake, Christians. What kind of world we're joining? And then we had the fantastic Cardinal, Sarah, who says on a headline, quote, West without God could become more destructive than Islamist terrorism, says the Cardinal. He's dead on. But people are tired of the news. The last headline I wanted to mention to you, it says, quote, Almost seven in ten Americans have news fatigue. More among Republicans. What does all this mean for me now to be reading your headlines when Americans are tired of it? You can't get tired of learning truth. You can get tired of listening to lying voices. But you need to be aware of what's coming down. But in the midst of all this, all these things taking place, just two days ago, June 4th, heaven sends a being who is the Holy Virgin Mary and appears on a mountain in former Yugoslavia, now Bosnia, the place called Medjugorje, and gives to the prayer group of Ivan a message. And that message is the news of the day. And it is important to be aware But a lady also qualified that, do not read your newspapers because your head afterwards is full of facts and you can no longer pray. So there's something to be gained by that. At the same time, a lady says, read and look at the signs of the times. So a lady comes on the mountain and two nights ago she says, dear children, also today I desire to call you through this time to pray especially for my plans, P-L-A-N-S. That means there's something we're not completely aware of. We can go through 37 years of messages and our cognition and see what those plans are. And we can go January 25th, 1987, when she says God has great plans for the salvation of the world. But she said not the plan, but plans. For the salvation of the world requires many plans. And she said that once. She said that once on the same day I was told never come back to Medjugorje because the plan is here, not anywhere else, not in Alabama, no other place. And I prayed that night at the apparition, Mary, give me a sign of what I'm supposed to do. And she says, I need you on the message for everybody there. But I asked for this, give me something in the message. It says, I need you because I have many plans. The salvation of the world will require many plans. But the plan is for the salvation of the world. They all work to this one thing. So a lady said two nights ago, to pray especially for my plans, for my plans which I desire to realize by my coming. She's not coming as an empty-headed dodo. This is the book of wisdom. When they see that, they're looking at who the wisdom is. And the Bible is in that book. She is it. And she, of course, is in the Bible in several places, including chapter 12, Revelations. So this plan is massive, it's big, it's huge. 
big enough that there has to be a transfiguration equal to that when Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured, that these six visionaries, the three who see her daily, see that same thing. For my plans, which I desire to realize by my coming, especially, dear children, I encourage you to pray for the families, for the youth, pray, dear children, to be persevering in prayer. I intercede for all of you with my son. Thank you, dear children, for also today having responded to my call. How are you responding? What are you doing? Part of our read today is about that because you got your work, you got your job, you got your house, you got your family, you got your world, you got all those things going. But how much of it is of God? And how much of it do you give to God? This comes from ChristianPost.com and is entitled Americans' View of Retirement is Warped. We Need Godly Financial Planners. Theologian John Piper explains what it means to give Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. He says, The key to managing money as a Christian is realizing that none of it is really yours, that God owns it all. When answering a question from a man who is considering becoming a financial advisor, Piper explained that Christian financial planners ought to think differently from the warped American view of retirement. The man who said he was put off by ungodly perspectives about retirement in society, enough to give him second thoughts about entering the profession, inquired if a Christian can, with a clear conscience, help people plan for a typical American retirement. Piper answered that he believes strongly in good financial planning, referencing the words of a financial planner who summed up his 30-year career in that field with one sentence, God owns it all. Piper said, quote, In other words, it's not yours. Your money is not yours, period which puts you in a very, very precarious position. It's God's, and you got it in your bank and your pocket. Watch out. You might become a thief or a mismanager. God has given you the ability to obtain it, to be sure. That's why we make mistakes and think it's ours. He's calling you to be a steward, a manager of it not an owner. He's calling you to steward it for his purposes, not your own private purposes, unquote. Piper continued to explain that whether it's coins, paper bills, or online transaction, what matters is how Christians use that currency. What you trade it for signifies what you value, he said. Therefore, money becomes a means of worship and witness, and love, or selfishness. We can put out of our minds any thoughts that money is intrinsically evil. It is intrinsically dangerous because Jesus said it's hard for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. While money can have significant power to corrupt, when used rightly and informed by godly values and preferences, 
It can become a tool to show greater regard for God, Piper said. He encouraged the young man to become a financial planner precisely because of the ungodly American approaches and attitudes about it in society. Quote, the very fact that there is a warped perspective on retirement, even among Christians, is a reason to become a financial planner. A Christian, Bible-saturated financial planner. This is a reason to become one rather than a reason not to become one, unless you don't have any conviction or backbone. People need help. Rich people need help. They look powerful, but they need help. They need to be shaken loose from the assumptions of our culture, unquote. A Christian financial planner ought to help people envision what retirement might look like from a distinctly Christian standpoint, he stressed. He ended by saying, your aim is not to counsel a typical American retirement. You want people to break free from that. You will encourage people not to prioritize playing and leisure but to prioritize serving and ministry. I would phrase this in this way. It's troubling how people put so much effort and energy planning retirement. You work for 40 years, 50 years, spend 20 years in retirement. And those 40 years, all that energy, valuable energy, goes into 20 years of the, toward the end of your life or so, whatever happens. It's fleeting compared to eternal retirement. You need to measure yourself. Be honest with yourself. How much planning and time thinking about when you retire from your work and what you're going to be doing, how you're going to be living, as opposed to what's going to happen when you're at death's door, what you've done for eternal retirement and what your place will be. If you're thinking more about the world's retirement, you're way off base, and you may not make it to base. You strike out. When I went to Medjugorje, I had already had in my heart that I was supposed to be doing something else. I already had my thoughts that I'm not going to live for myself. I like to give that message. Your life does not belong to you, but is a gift to be given to others to bring them to eternal life. You don't own anything. You're not free just to experience leisures. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have vacations or times of rest and relaxation. But Jesus expected out of our apostles fatigue. Work yourself for the kingdom of God. And everybody here would testify community that I have always held that I don't have anything. But yet I got assets. But it's not mine. It's God's. Our Lady could only come to our house and do what she did and geographically mark the place as a spiritual place of pilgrimage, something that is here just like Fatima any other place. When Medjugorje is understood and understood what Our Lady did here, it's going to be huge. But the reason I got that is because Our Lady gave a message years ago in Medjugorje. If necessary, I will appear in every home. That struck me. And I realized she had to have it, the land, the house, the business, my family, myself. And that opened the door to Our Lady to be free. What have you got that restricts Our Lady 
from acting through you. And this read that was just read is fantastic. Because most people think, well, okay, I just do my 10%. What I have is what I have, and I'm free to do what I want to. You are not free. You have a free will to do that. But your business, your job is for one purpose. Yes, a secondary purpose, which is to make a living by, but primary is to advance the kingdom of God and use it that you might be able to go into eternity with God. Where most of the materialism and things that happens makes it where you won't spend eternity with God. Or maybe a thousand years of purgatory. Who knows what? But we do have this mentality. The financial advisors saying, okay, you do this, put this aside, get ready for your retirement. Boy, we have no concept here in our community. I have no concept of retirement. I'm not going to retire. Retirement is a new thing of recent years. If you can be productive, you be productive. Or we stay in the Pension, which is the hotel in Medjugorje. Papa Pero, which was the owner's father, he's in his 80s, and he gets out and just walks and sees what's going on with the workers or cleaners or whatever they're doing there. He physically can't work, but they don't have the concept that I'm retired. You work until you can't work. And if you retire from your job, there's plenty of things to be doing to advance God's kingdom. But not just doing, not just volunteering. Your wealth belongs to God, not to you. We go to a tractor place that's about two hours from here. They got a sign up on their land because they also have a farm right there. And they said, we do not own this land. Somebody owned it before us. We're just a steward. It belongs to God. And the land you own now passed from somebody else. If you're in Europe, it might have passed through 25 or 30 or 100 people. So what is your mentality? You think you're free to own something? I don't own anything. I'm bankrupt in that sense, in my heart. I'm to use everything God gives me, everything that this community does with their labor, for the kingdom of God. We work. 24-7 for that. And our work on Sunday is to restore ourselves that we can be stronger on Monday and give ourselves to people. We do close down our community on December 15th to January 15th. People still can visit, but we don't keep visitors except community because we got regrouped. We got to give each other to each other. This is important. While this may be a dry subject, you might not be so excited what was just read about. It's fascinating if you go into it. This financial planner is saying, it is not yours. Your money is not yours, period. The theologian Piper says, which puts you in a very, very precarious position. Do you want to be in that position? Is that how you're using your wealth for yourself? And you think 10% is what God requires? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. But that's not what he's showing us. Everything you have that is in your possession, you don't have to give away, is to be used to advance God's kingdom. He goes on and says, it's God's, and you got it in your bank and in your pocket. Watch out. You might become a thief or a mismanager. God has given you the ability to obtain it, to be sure. That's why we make mistakes, and we think it's ours. He's calling you to be a steward, a manager of it, not an owner. He's calling you to steward it 
for his purpose, not for your private purpose. Everything I do, we've had it and you heard it. Over 100,000 people have been to our bedroom. Would you let people go through your bedroom? We're not complaining about that. We're happy that we were chosen to be able to do that. And we said yes. You said, well, if I knew the Virgin Mary would come to my house and do those things, I'd do it too. We didn't know that. We'd already said yes before that. It's not conditional. Okay, I'm going to give you yes, and this is what's going to happen. You do it, and then God makes things happen, and he can use you. I put myself in a position to be used. You say, I don't want to be used. I don't like to be used. But then don't let yourself be used. It's your loss. I don't give anything, my wife and I, and our family, and the community, we don't give anything away when we give ourselves. That doesn't bring a great joy for us. But this word use, people don't like to be used. And yet it already says January 25th, 1987, I want you to comprehend that God has chosen each one of you in order to use you in a great plan for the salvation of mankind. So don't turn your wealth over to that or you manage it in a way that it is propagating all these messages. You don't know what you're taking from yourself when you keep it for yourself. We have given, and God has outgiven our giving. The joys, the life, the things that happen. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's hard. You're going to get the attacks from Satan because he hates what we do. You'll hate what you do when you get the mentality Nothing is mine. Now, you can just say that, and you can pretend that, but is it? Are you using it? My land here is productive for conversions. I wanted a field for five years before a lady came, and I planned to buy it, and they wouldn't sell it, and I tried and tried and tried. Offered money, everything. We're never going to sell it. We're going to keep it in the family. Maria comes, spends the night, 6 o'clock the next morning, I have a contract brought to my door. We're going to sell the field. They didn't know Maria was there. It was our neighbor. But God was saying, don't you ever think you own this place? Two or three weeks before that, I would have thought, okay, maybe I own it. God came after the fact, after Maria is here, after what our lady's plans, like she said two days ago, Pray especially for our plans, for our plans, which I desire to realize by my coming. She came. That was a plan. We knew we didn't have any place to do anything with Maria. It would be in a church. And here it is. Maria arrives. Nobody knows it. It's secret. And they knock on my door. They actually called the night before. I'm bringing a contract to you for the land. So I knew there was going to be a knock on the door before she went to work to sign it. Amazing. I closed my business down several months before that. I wouldn't have been ready to have Our Lady to host her because God showed me to do that. And I said, yes, I didn't like it at all. The hardest part was yes, but when I did it, it happened. The end of the story is we got the Queen of Heaven. And she said that. She's only said maybe eight, nine, ten times to 37 years, I am the Queen of Peace. And she gave us that title here. We felt that was an important statement when she said that. 
in the bedroom. It wasn't just something that I just threw out words. She said, nothing's by chance. She stated that, gave her title of herself in this ground here, which is important. What I'm trying to make a point is not, oh, what, something we've done is great. We've done nothing. We're nobody. It's what I've always said. I'm just a dish digger. But I have a heart for Our Lady. I love Our Lady. I want to do everything she wants me to do. And she brought a plan to the earth as the woman of revelation for the salvation of the world, containing many plans. Right here in Alabama is a major part of her plan. Founded in Medjugorje, propagated here, transferred and propagated through the whole world. How we live the message. She built us because we said yes. The people who come and gave their jobs up, gave up their life. And everybody had to say yes. And she uses us every day. People give us admiration. They give us praise. They say all these things. But we don't let that affect our ego. Or think we're something special. We only tell you we are sinners. Looking for a way that's a perfect way of life as imperfect as we are, because she's given us our way of life. That said, what are you doing? Are you in a very precarious position, as this theologian says, because you think you own what you have, and you're not making an effect on eternity and on your eternity? You need to contemplate the present time, what you're doing. I just wanted to interject something, because I it was something I read this morning in Poem of the Man God that aligns itself with what you're speaking about today. But Jesus was with his apostles. This was as he's entering into his third year of evangelization. They'd been getting a lot of attacks. So he brought his apostles together in, in a few days of a retreat. And after that retreat, all the apostles were uplifted. And Peter says, as is typical of Peter, can't we just stay here? I mean, this is so nice, Jesus, just to be with you. Can't we just enjoy being with you? And Jesus says, Peter, we have the whole world to evangelize. We have work to do. It's time to get going. And Peter says, how are we going to evangelize the whole world? And Jesus said, you won't evangelize the whole world. You'll spend your life doing that, but it's going to take hundreds and hundreds of years. And just as you one person evangelizes, Satan will come and destroy that area again. And it's a work that will take all eternity. And Peter says, well, Jesus, how am I ever going to be able to prepare myself for eternity? If we're going to be that busy, how am I going to prepare my soul for eternity? I'm not going to have any time to do that. And Jesus says, Peter, all you need for that is one moment to make a good act of contrition. That's all you need to prepare yourself for eternity. But in the meantime, everything that you're doing in helping evangelize the world is preparing yourself for eternal life. It's doing the will of God that prepares you for eternal life. So don't worry, you're going to have the time to prepare your soul for eternity. And I just think that that aligns itself to people's concern of even retirement. We're doing all this work so that at the end you have this time for those things that you didn't do before. 
And a lot of people don't even have that time because God takes them before retirement age. You want to live old? Don't plan on retirement. Work for God. He'll keep you here for a while. I have no plans to retire. My concern is I'll be burying everybody here. I don't want to live that long. But I've got too much work to do. I've got so much to write. I've got so much to live first so that I can write it. Because it's not just words. It's what we've been given here and the grace of Our Lady has shown us a way of life. And it produces beautiful stories we speak about. Can you say with your wealth and what you're doing, you're really doing the will of God? We're going to be doing a venture with already includes thousands of man hours. And it's another showcase to witness to people what they can do with their wealth. Yes, it takes us wealth to get to that point. We need to be supported. One easy thing you can do, and I didn't do this broadcast for this point, but we need help. There's so much we're sitting on. We've got the infrastructure. We've got the Navy battleship with all the cannons. We've got everything, the printing presses, the graphic design department, the whole concepts of everything. We've got the place, the site for pilgrimage. We've got everything. We lack the funding for it. Give some of your wealth for that. Be more serious in funding Caritas and what this community does, what we're called. We didn't call ourselves and create some kind of nonprofit operation. We were called into being by a plan of God that needs your support. If you can't stop and get printing presses and spend millions of dollars from working people that we collect in donations, turn that into a machine, that's okay. But we need your support. We're sitting on things, which means we're sitting on things that will bring people and save them from perdition. We need help. I didn't do any of the previous talking to come to this point. But coming to this point manifests the problem we do have. We've given everything we have. I've given all my wealth over to the mission. That's why it catapulted so big so quick. At the beginning, when there's 150 Medjugorje centers, nine of them put together have the machine power of output that we have in production. Nobody in Medjugorje all together is producing more of the message than we are in our little mission house. Black and Decker, or one of the trades or the drill people or whoever they make their hand tools, they have distribution centers. They got a big factory behind it. And the distribution center may be small. We've got a huge factory here. And we produce things for you and your home or others. And also our little mission house in Medjugorje that sends things all over the world. The community members who joined us Come sometimes for a month, stay three months, four year. That's how it works. Then they had four years, then seven years, then their life. Because they see they're producing something with their life's labor. Like you was just talking about Peter, the evangelization. That's what this is about. This is the great moment of evangelization. And God called for it. Dear children, I want you to comprehend that God has chosen each one of you, that's all of you listening to this, and all your family and what you're doing, your business, each one of you in order to use you. And again, the point is, people say, you're using me. I don't want you to use me. There's people who object to that and be offended by that. To use you in a great plan for the salvation of mankind, you are not able to comprehend 
how great your role is in God's design. Are you fulfilling your role? Are you walking that way? Have you given yourself over? Have you supported this mission? There's no higher thing to support than this. You say, what about the poor and all that? The poorest people today is not those who are hungry. It's those who are starving all the way to perdition. And we feed those people. And they tell us, they call us, they write, and they say, I was going to hell. And I picked up one little booklet in the back of a church. Changed my life. And that's just one of thousands, tens of thousands of examples. Become serious. Do an evaluation. Do an audit of everything you have. Is it glorifying God? Or is it for your private use to do what you want? We're in moments of deep reflection, deep seriousness. Our ladies fresh from heaven saying to realize that through this time, and she's already told us whose time it is, she owns it. This is something that is in her possession because heaven's given it to her. Through this time, to pray especially for my plans, which I desire to realize by my coming. And I add the words, through you. Great and much is on your shoulders. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.